4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yes, sir, Bob. This week, I'm the boxing, Mike Carly Box. This week, starring special guest Mr. Michael Lanes. And Mr. Bobby Board is actually not too cool for school. <laughs> he was having an allergy attack and doesn't want anybody to see how screwed up his eyes are. I want my sunglasses. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Good to be here again. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. Every time I see Ames, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about my kid. <laughs> my daughter's got a song that uh, she wrote that blew up in somebody's video on YouTube, so I need to... Talk to Michael. About we do me. need to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Yes. Uh, I only remember the most inopportune moments. Uh, okay, there we go. The chat room is open. Wow. This way, Bobby. Yep. Can, can you sit on Michael's lap? <laughs> <laughs> Things are that tight. You know, and I got the camera with the, like, the 120 It worked last time, right? Yeah, yeah it did. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened last time? Maybe I was leaning over. I would say we'll something. lean in towards Michael. Yeah, I'm going to shut up my phone, too, yeah. just in case. Good, Good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yes, let's all... I left mine over there. So all right, well. All right, here we go. How's that? There we go. Okay. My ringtone is off. Hello, people in the chat room. Good to see you guys. Um, let me get that scooched over there. So we're good. That wouldn't be good, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely don't. We're good. Um, okay, so I want to read you. Gosh, I can't get myself in the frame. I right. wanna, there we go. Yeah. I'm not going to miss it. I want to read you their bios which you can find in this book, Five Star Music Makeover. Look, it's got five stars on it. It's like the American flag, which is 45 less stars. <laughs> <laughs> and no stripes whatsoever. Um, yeah, like if we were in communist China, this book would be the <laughs> Very impressive uh, post-it yes. collection. That was my research from the last time you guys were on wow. the show. I spent right. hours getting prepared. This time, I spent no time whatsoever because <laughs> the road rally is five weeks away, starting November, Thursday, November 2nd, going through Sunday, November 5th. And I've got to tell you, I was here all weekend long. All weekend, not exaggerating. Uh, this is like my third weekend spending all weekend here in the road rally. It's really coming together. The hotel called today to say that they're sold out already. Do you know how many emails wow. I've sent to promote the road rally so far? Just one. Wow. Like three That's weeks ago, impressive. I sent out an email saying, the road rally's coming. Nobody knows what the panels are going to be yet. I do. I just have my yeah, own. I was going to say, like, yeah. you know it's going to be good. Um, it's always good. Uh, I actually need you for a panel. Okay. <laughs> I, I know you that you, well, it's hard to get you out in public unless it's free trip to Hawaii. Um, oh, stop it. Not <laughs> anyway, true. Um, from the book, Michael Ames. It looks like it's Eames, but it's pronounced Ames. Michael Ames is trained composer, songwriter, and pianist with experience in film scoring who studied at Cornell University in UCLA Extension. He's um, as president of Penn Music Group, uh, Michael oversees all aspects of the operation with a focus on pitching the catalog to all media and business development. Penn currently represents Don Felder, formerly of the Eagles, John Farrar, Olivia Newton-John's longtime producer, Olivia Newton-John herself, Brian Eno and Donnie Markowitz, Oscar winner for um, I've Had the Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing, amongst numerous others. 
Prior to starting Penn, Michael oversaw the international activities in film and TV department of Don Williams Music Group. I didn't know that. Where he was yeah. responsible for song catalogs uh, for people such as Jimi Hendrix. There's a really bad imitation of Jimi Hendrix on cable the other night. Chicago <laughs> and Roy Orbison. He's also worked with the catalog of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the management music supervision firm, the Derek Power Company. As of January 2015, Michael is the president of the Nationwide Association of Independent Music Publishers, commonly known as AIMP, and is also a member of the California Copyright Conference, CCC, uh, and the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, NARIS. Yes. We all know that one. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Mr. Michael Ames. Yes. The Art Carly box. Yes. Any, any excuse to use that blue box, baby, and I'm there. All right. Uh, next to Michael, in the sunglasses, because he's having a, an allergy. Do you want? I've got allergy medicine somewhere here in the office. I do. It'll put you to sleep. But well, it yeah. we'll, we'll wait until after. Okay. I'll take it when I get home. All right. Uh, Bobby Borg is a former major label, independent, and DIY slash touring artist with over 25 years' experience working alongside the most respected managers, producers, and A&R executives in the music industry. He also worked at Taxi for many years as one of our A&R team. Uh, he served as the Vice President of Special Events for the LA Chapter of the American Marketing Association uh, and is Chairman of the Music Business at, the Musician, at Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California. He's a recipient of UCLA's Distinguished Instructor of the Year Award. He teaches DIY music marketing, music publishing, and general music business classes both online and on campus and speaks regularly at Berklee College of Music and other distinguished schools worldwide, not the least of which might be Taxi TV. Uh, <laughs> certainly not the least of which. Berkeley Schmerkley. Come on. <laughs> well, you know what? They've never sponsored the Road Rally, so <laughs> just kidding, you guys. I love you. Um, Borg is the author of Music Marketing for a DIY Musician, Business Basics for Musicians, and over a thousand, that's a lot, thousand magazine and blog mm -hmm. articles for Billboard.com, Hypebot, Sonic Bids, Music Connection, Disc Makers, Bandzoogle, and Taxi. He's the founder of Bobby Borg Consulting, where he assists an international client base of rising music professionals. He lives in Los Angeles. He hides behind sunglasses. For more information, please see BobbyBorg.com. Yeah. Bobby Borg. Right. He's a drummer. So that's why I was yeah, why didn't that say that? <laughs> drummer extraordinary. He was a drummer in the band Warrant. Warrant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time I drive on the 101 and I see the sign for what's that place in Agora Hills, the concert venue? Uh, can't think of the name of it. Canyon Club. Oh, I was going to say. Canyon Warren Club. plays the Canyon, Canyon Club every now and yeah. then. I yeah. always want to go take out a spray can and write Bobby Borg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget, Stephen Sweet was the original guy. And, and he I came would, in after. Yeah, yeah, he and he too. worked here as a screener yeah. as well. Yeah, so, very, very yes. nice guy. Uh, yeah. Really, what happened to that guy? I liked him a lot. I think he got a little bit busy with the band again. Actually. Oh, really? He rejoined, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. He was a really solid screener. Yeah, he was um, a nice guy. Too. Everybody in the staff liked him. It was all good. So, um, I didn't prepare a lot. Normally, I'm very well prepared for the shows, but I know that these guys are both incredibly intelligent and very well-versed, and I do have um, some stuff that Bobby sent me and some questions that you guys send in on our Facebook page, and I can make stuff up to ask Michael Ames all day long because, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's legitimate stuff. Yeah, I can just yeah. do it off the top uh, of my head. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, yeah. we got some questions here on some of it. I see a too. Ames and I were uh, both recently at the Hawaii Songwriters Festival, which is a great event uh, put on by some dear friends of mine. They're lovely people, and if you can ever go to that event, do. Definitely. You might actually see Michael Ames and I in our Speedos. <laughs> sort of uh, no Speedo. <laughs> do you know, I, no do, speedo. I don't even bring trunks with me, and my feet did not touch water or sand other than we were down on the beach for the memorial that night. Yeah, sure. That's, All right, I was in the water once. Really? I got my got knocked on my ass because <laughs> I went in the afternoon when the waves oh, were pretty man. strong. The, the Pacific is much rougher than the Atlantic. Yeah. So, um, topically, I, I do want to start out with what is a publishing question—not publishing per se, but maybe the most important question of the day, industry-wide, because. Streaming has now overtaken downloading uh, as far as income generation for the music industry. Um, it is now the biggest income generator for the music industry, yet the vast majority of people, myself included, don't really understand all the ins and outs of how people, the songwriter and the performing musician, get paid for music being streamed online. Can you? Elucidate, is that the, a real word? <laughs> you went to Cornell. <laughs> no, I went no. to University of Miami. I, no, I knew on. hallucinate, but not elucidate. Um, well, yeah, no, do you want to take the artist, I take publishing, uh, or what do you want to do? Go for it. There you go. Um, That's a great it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a definitely a very complicated area, and it's an area where a lot of people are confused, and it's also uh, you know, emerging and changing a lot as time goes on. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Good handoff, Bobby. <laughs> well, all right, so on the publishing side, right? I mean, the you are absolutely right, Bobby. It is a completely complex, you know, area, but let's just take the U.S., right, for the okay. moment. Yeah, so, forget those other people. Well, you know, of course, now I, I want to make a distinction between interactive streaming and non-interactive streaming, right? So right. you're really meaning more, I think, the Spotify's, the Apple Music's, you know, Amazon. And YouTube. You know, well, okay, but, but that's, that's interactive. Yeah, I was going to say, so Spotify, Apple Music, and, you know, sort of... Um, uh, Pandora's new, uh, I forget, the their premium offering, which is basically their competition to Spotify, that's all interactive streaming. So where you can choose what you're listening to from song to song is interactive. Okay. Whereas on, say, Pandora and SiriusXM in particular are non-interactive streaming. It's basically internet radio. radio. Right, so whatever's right. coming down the pipe is what you're getting. You and all of those are audio only. YouTube is a whole animal in amongst itself because it involves video. Uh, and video is entering into the world of Spotify and in other places, and it's involving different rights. But I think to your most immediate question, so let's look at just Spotify, because right, that's the one that's kind of been in the news so much lately, okay. right? So Spotify, you know, it, the songs are being distributed through whatever digital distributor gets it to Spotify. In the U.S. Which could be like CD Baby or TuneCore. Yeah, Core from the major or... labels on down to indie distributors, TuneCore, CD Baby, you know, InGrooves, Dashgo, that I think recently just got bought. Uh, oh, by Hawk, uh, Ryan Kids, Torrance, you know, all yeah, those Distro Mondo Kid, tunes, all those Ditto things. Music, all that stuff. Um, so hard to keep track of it. Yeah, there's a lot of them. This is where it, this is where it all gets complex. So the thing to understand in the U.S. especially, because frankly, a lot of independent artists don't know this. So Spotify and Apple Music, uh, the publishing money 
stays with those services and what is their paying agent at the moment, which is the Harry Fox Agency in New York. So it's treated like a mechanical? It, well, it's a streaming, uh, a, an interactive stream by law is defined as both mechanical and performance. So it's a mechanical. <laughs> the performance right. is handled by ASCAP and BMI. They're a license, I mean, or CSAC and GMR in this case. Um, there are the four Who performing can keep rights. Track of this I know, stuff? but there's mainly it's ASCAP and VMI, but CSAC and really GMR. Um, they have licenses in place. They pay blanket licenses. The services all do for the performance. In a blanket licenses, they write one big fat check per year uh, to the services. Uh, to oh, the to the PR services to, to the, the PROs, PROs correct. Right. Um, and then the balance of the payment, because the law in the United States is that those the services are to pay 10.5% of their revenue to the collective right of the performance and the mechanical. So performance to the PRO. The mechanicals for, if we just focus on Spotify and Apple Music right now, are mainly handled by the Harry Fox Agency. So what isn't really being kind of talked about too much is that you know, the Harry Fox agency historically was the agent that we publishers could choose optionally to have them go out and license mechanicals on our behalf with the record labels. In other words, so for every, every record sold paid a little under 10 cents per record and they would... Did they would be our agent. They would they would issue the license on our behalf. Yeah, yeah. They would, you know, audit the labels periodically to make sure they're paying. Keep labels them like that, right? Oh, the auditing? Oh, they love it. Um, but the Harry Fox Agency, as the industry morphed, also can still do that optional service, but are now also kind of acting as a third third party service provider to these services because they are like, hey, we've got this big database, we've been doing this for years, we have the experience, we have the technology. Doesn't that create another layer of payment for the people who actually make the music then? Because, uh, oh, for sure. Like I saw one of the questions just briefly. We all have questions in front of us that, that Michael took down uh, from folks that submitted things. You know, one of the questions was, where do we need to be registered as publishers in order to collect all our money? Well, Harry Fox Agency now is one of them. If you're getting streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, and all of this, Harry Fox Agency is probably the main part uh, database that you need to register your titles in, or frankly, you won't get paid. Uh, and I think there's so many independent artists out there that don't really realize, if they're not in any sort of publishing deal, that they, in addition to ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, because those are really going to be the three where all these artists are likely registered if, if on the, the performance US, side. US. In the US, correct. Um, you, in addition, need to register your songs at the Harry Fox Agency to get the streaming mechanicals. There's another company called Music Reports, which handles Amazon and Microsoft and others. There's another company out of Seattle called MediaNet that you have to register your songs there because they also handle smaller services. It's it's gotten very complex, and there's a lot of money sitting out there. Don't that forget isn't the, being the master side as well. So you want to yeah, I'm only dealing with publishing. Right, right. Publishing That's a whole stuff. other side. A whole but yeah. lot. No, no, keep on going. That, well, <laughs> I, there's really not. I mean, yeah. So that's in the U.S. and then. You know, outside the U.S., which everything goes everywhere. Uh, I mean, everything other, goes other everywhere. Other than Red China, North Korea, um, and a couple other. There places. are society. Generally speaking, in every country of the world outside the U.S., there are 
collection societies like ASCAP and BMI, but where they are typically different is that whereas ASCAP, BMI, and uh, only handle performance only, these societies around the world handle performance and mechanical. So Spotify operating in the UK wow. deals with PRS on the performance side and MCPS on the mechanical side. In Germany, the big the society GEMA handles both in the same place. You know, likewise, I could go country by country. You know, the money stays in those countries until you have entered into some sort of arrangement with a publisher or an administrator to go in and register your songs and claim that money. Okay, so now there are probably millions of people all over the world who have money sitting in these buckets all over the world and don't even realize that their money is sitting in these buckets and these entities are making interest on their money. Oh, we should probably say black boxes maybe instead of buckets. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It, the buckets turn into black boxes, yes, exactly. after a certain period of time. Right, right. Um, but yeah, because what he's referring to, for those that don't know the term black box, is after, it goes varies country by country, but once there's money that is not claimed, usually it's like three to six years, depending on the income type and what the country is, that local society will take that money and basically distribute it via market share to right. all the local publishers who are members of that society. And once it's distributed, it's then, gone. So if Bobby was the artist, or the writer in this case, right. uh, and it's gone, he can't go, but I didn't know. And Sorry, Bobby, your money's gone. Uh, yeah. Your money's gone. Okay, so I'm going to charge you guys for watching the show because you just learned <laughs> something so incredibly valuable here on Taxi TV that now you know that if you had something that was on Spotify four years ago, or yeah, you, you better get your butt down to the Spotify office and have your hand out because otherwise they're going to get yeah, you. Or enlist, enlist a publisher or someone. There's administrators. There's different ways that you can, you can go is, uh, to there, go out and register them on your behalf to claim it. So is there a central entity or are there central entities that the folks watching this show and my daughter could go to and say, can you handle all this crap for me because it confuses the hell out of me and I really don't think I'll get it right? Well, there's lots of choices, honestly. There's, I mean, for example, you mentioned CD Baby earlier as one of the distributors. You know, for this exact reason that we were just describing is you have all these buckets all over the world. It was a very natural thing for the, the independent digital distributors to realize, hey, we're handling a lot of independent artists who don't necessarily know how this is happening. Maybe we could help them. And I think TuneCore was the first where they started a publishing administration service and sort of started advertising to their to their artists, hey, we think you have X amount of money sitting out there, which they could see based on the master money. And we haven't even touched SoundExchange yet, like you brought right, up. Right. Um, you know, we think there could be X amount of money out there for us. You know, sign up with us and we'll collect it for you. You know. It, I think sometimes that's been presented as the only option when that is one of many options that are available. Um, CD Baby has a similar service in partnership with Song Trust, mm -hmm. uh, which is based in New York. Um, and But I would say I think any of those services would also sort of admit, because they have now, I was on a panel uh, with John Barr who, who runs CD Baby's publishing side. And you know, he mentioned I think that they have over a million songwriters now signed to sort of CD Baby's publishing service, 
and like but he fully admits they can't give personal attention to that it's right. performing solely you? a technological administrative function and maybe if that's all you need that could be fine and, but you're not going to get the personal attention of say i love what you're doing i want to help develop you or do co-writes for you or film a tv or whatever right but then of course the 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 vanity companies that would handle somebody on more of a individual basis like you would only be able to work Vanity with people companies. or you know, <laughs> smaller any yeah, guy that wears a speedo smaller, <laughs> drop the speedo a smaller company like yourself right. would also have certain requirements with you know to, to determine who you will work with and who yeah, you won't absolutely. work with you can't take the indie artist that's just releasing right. their first CD for example maybe right unless if we yeah. heard the music and we loved it right. so much and felt we could do something right. with it we certainly have done that right right yeah. right so one thing I want to bring up because um, Taxi's always had a really warm and friendly relationship with CD Baby and Disc Makers, mm -hmm. the, the other side yep. of that company. Um, and we've referred a lot of people to them over the years, but there's a box that you can check that says, yes, I'd like you to handle this stuff. And people Correct. go, yeah, sure, man, great, collect that money for me, do that thing. What they don't realize is that a year and a half later, when they go to license that song, uh, or sign a publishing deal with a music library to get it out there for film and TV. They've already signed a publishing deal or an admin absolutely deal. Absolutely correct. And, yep. and it's a train wreck. So somebody needs to figure out a way that CD Baby can um, make that available and do what it does well for people. But musicians, it's incumbent on them to know when they check that box that it prohibits them from taking that piece of music and or, or doing a pub deal with a music library, for instance. But but those are exclusive to the to those particular records or songs that they license with CD Baby. It's yes, not for the whole catalog or anything. Correct. Right. Yeah. But, 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 to be, but to be out. fair, every time that I'm I don't know for sure, but I'd be willing to bet that every time that there's a box, there's a link there for terms and conditions. Nobody reads. That I thing. know, but I'm just saying. Right. Like if you click a box and you're going to submit it, you only have yourself to blame if you're not reading what the agreement says. But nobody ever right. will blame him or herself. They will blame. CD Baby and CD Baby is absolutely right, and you're right, terms and conditions. But come on, um, that's the world we live in now. We're so inundated with terms and conditions and that little blue line length like that we just go, yeah. yeah for, for practical purposes, though, could your listeners, when they're, when they're just starting out and they don't understand the any of this and they're putting out their record, could they use a service like maybe CD Baby for that one particular record or that group of four songs or six songs? And then as they become more experienced and become more known in the business where they might be able to have access to people like you representing them, mm -hmm. um, you know, then they can take that next stepping stone. So it's not like they're signing everything they ever write away. No, that's to absolutely CD correct. Right. And I think a bunch of them, I think CD Baby too, since I know you guys do so much, I think you can terminate on a 30-day notice. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It may be after an initial term of a year. I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, it's not like I think they're you know you they're signing you up for life or any of that kind. No, of I thing. don't think they're doing anything wrong or evil. It's just people don't understand what they're signing because mm -hmm. it sounds easy to have somebody else handle all this confusing stuff. Sure. And I also want to point out that you can do deals individually. It might be a little difficult, but I personally have done deals with Japan and Germany for mm -hmm. self-publishing. Um, where they've represented me just specifically limited to those territories though but that might be a little bit hard for somebody that's first starting out to understand how to which, you know get in touch with them and so right. so it brings up a great point which is something you should 
run with Bobby, which is it is the music business. <laughs> and so many people, and pardon me if I talk funny, but I bit my tongue yesterday, and the side my tongue is really puffed up, so I keep rebiting it as I'm talking. Uh, yes, so if I'm talking yes. like a drunk, we've all been there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, if they don't treat it like a business, it's not going to pay them like a business. And yet so few people have the education and the wherewithal and the time because they already have a nine-to-five, they've got a family, they've got softball practice, you know, all right, these sure, things. Sure. And how, how can they exist or survive or flourish in today's market when it really is incumbent on them to learn to have business chops? Right, that's very true. I think most people, when they start playing guitar, they have the aspirations to start <laughs> singing or playing drums. They're doing it because of um, somebody they saw on a YouTube video or a concert they saw, and that's what's inspiring them. I mean, it's not the guy like sitting behind the desk on a computer, like figuring out mechanical royalties or something. You know, that's right. not what inspires them. Right. So they first and foremost get into it for the music, and you know, it takes a certain level of skill first and foremost to even. Um, to even get good enough to even be thinking about the business. So they're they're consumed with that. And then by the time they actually um, get to a point where it's like now it's time to release it, um, they come to the realization now where, uh-oh, this is also a business. And now the business chops are like trying to play catch up to their actual music skills. Mm -hmm. So usually people are more advanced musically than they are at business because it was the music that first interested them. And now they're trying to play kind of catch up with the business. And there's no way around it in this day and age. You have to learn it. There's no way around it. Yeah. But yeah. There, there's a weird thing that I, I'm very neutral to all this. So I get to notice stuff from my crown or my throne of neutrality, as it were. <laughs> uh, I see this a lot, which is people finally get to the point where they're good enough that they're starting to make some money with their music, mm -hmm. they don't then want to slow down or take their time and energy and focus away from the music to then go learn the business stuff that you so uh, aptly pointed out. That it's usually um, they don't want to retard one forward motion to get caught up with another. Right. And it get, it's, it's overwhelming. So they never, right, they never yeah. get caught up. It's, it's overwhelming. Then if you talk not only just about being a, a good musician and writing great songs, but then of course also understanding the business and the music publishing side of it, but then there's a whole other side to it, which is actually the marketing side of it and mm -hmm. letting people know that you exist and knowing why they should care about you. And that takes a lot of time. Well, let's talk about marketing then because this is something that you and I, this is the core of our friendship. Bobby and I have always <laughs> respected each other's deep, um, deep love of marketing. Yes, and and the funny thing is, people in my world, my friends, my staff members, my family, will poke fun at me when I write a headline that sounds real markety or selly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my staff will go, Oh man, you know you use title case on you know on the words and this it doesn't it's offensively marketing driven. I mm. see. And to which I want to say, really, how yeah. much how many marketing <laughs> books have you read? Right. How much money have you ever made with marketing? And these are the things that musicians have a natural aversion um, toward. Musicians. Creative people, I shouldn't say just musicians, but creative people don't want to sell anything. That's I don't right. know why. People are afraid of, of, of the sales aspect of marketing. They feel that they're doing something dirty or they're right. doing something wrong. When really what they're doing is giving their buyers an opportunity to discover and buy them because they love their music. That's Which the then gives them to... money to do it more. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And that's so the way you have to, to see it. it. You have to see it that way. You have to see it that putting yourself out there isn't isn't doing something wrong. That is 
assuming you're doing it correctly. But, um, but, but certainly, um, you know, the idea is that, that you have to inform people about why they should care about you, about the value that you offer to them, what they're going to get out of your product and service first and foremost. That's what's really important. It's not about me. Hey, buy my stuff. It should be about here's what my stuff can the do The benefit to you. for the buyer. Absolutely. Right. And, that, and let's talk about features versus benefits because people love to give you a bullet point list of, you know, if the bike is shiny. It's got a well-oiled chain. Um, the seat is made out of vinyl. Nobody really cares about what the seat is made out of. They care, is the bike is it fat? Yeah. Is it comfortable and fast? <laughs> yeah. Right, what are right, the benefits? Exactly. So right. how does that translate to a musician selling their music? Right, well, you know, again, just to be clear, everybody understands, you know, if I were to go in and buy a computer and they were gonna tell me that about the Core 2 Duo processor that it has, I mean, I, I don't know anything about that, but if they tell me, Bobby, what that means is you can run four different programs at once without losing speed, you know, then I get it, right? So what you have to do is you have to look at your songs in the same way, which is definitely a lot more difficult, but you have to think about, okay, well, what is my song? And maybe what benefit could it provide? And then you have to think about the different uses. So for example, if you were you know, talking to someone like, you know, Michael, you might think about how might this song be able to be used in a specific film or TV show? which might mean that you then have to actually get into watching TV and understanding the types of music that they have on type, certain types of shows. Um, you have to understand certain types of music that supports certain types of music or movies that are being made. You so mean, you kind of They don't create TV shows around their music? <laughs> exactly. There was a great quote by somebody in the, in, the, in the TV and film world that said, I am not in the music business, I am in the film and TV business. So in other words, it's it's not you know how your song could could make something else you know how the movie can take your song. It's how your song can make the, the movie make the, better. Yeah. So that that's you know where you might want to have say a, a couple of things about because I think the biggest problem people have even in their marketing of their shows around town is they also always say what it is. You know this band is playing tonight. Here's the address. The first thing I ask is. Who cares? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad true. way, but you have to try to get into the minds of your target audience and figure out why should they care about my event tonight. If you're not answering the question, what's in it for me, you're failing. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and what's in it for the publishing company that's going to maybe represent you? Um, you know, what is it about your music that might be able to help them? place it in a film or television or video games. You know, you kind of have to look at it, uh, you know, in another way. And I see there's a question about that. Somebody says, I have lots of Facebook followers, but they don't seem to respond to anything. And, right. um, and that's a great question. First, you have to ask yourself, well, who are your Facebook followers made of? I mean, is it your mom, your sister, your best friends? <laughs> Because those aren't your target audience. Those are just people that love you and are going to tell you, you know, that you're great. And, you know, give you know, or take. Yeah. yeah, give or take. Right. <laughs> they but might you, feel but, an obligation. <laughs> but you definitely want to, you know, <laughs> when you do, like, let people become your friends on Facebook, if you're truly doing it for a business, you know, find out whether or not them, you want them to be part of, of your group of, of fans or, or friends. You know, like, look at their profiles. See if, if they would make adequate people to be part of your fan base so that when you're sending stuff out, you know you're hitting your target audience. I mean, that would be one way to do it. And then, of course, get into the minds of your, of your fans. Figure out what it is that they do respond to. You know, what is it, what kind of content is it that they want you to put onto their, your Facebook page? So you really have to kind of take this away from me 
and being a musician first and you know foremost of course when i first started playing uh, at, a, at a young age of six i mean musicians think that it's all about us right <laughs> you know we are the center of attention we are the stars people cheer for us people tell us how great we are but when it comes to this what we're talking about the marketing of business you really have to get into the minds of your customer your fan and figuring out what it is and that they want don't be a phony you know um find out where where your I hate people that say where your truth is but look one of the reasons taxi is successful is because it's easy for me to care about these guys because that's the only world I've known in my adult life sure and this is yeah. what I do and these are my people my tribe <laughs> but you can't make that stuff up people will smell it and, and feel it yeah, so yeah, so yeah. if you're trying to identify who your people are and what it is that is your benefit to them, just think about that. Who You're right, past your mom and your first cousin, who are all the other people? Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of her name. She has red hair, Ariel uh, um, Hyatt. Uh -huh. She uh, sure. once brilliantly said on a panel at the, at the Taxi Road Rally, November 2nd through the 5th, um, <laughs> Ariel Hyatt once said on a panel, Nobody goes uses social media. They don't go there to buy stuff. And, and so people aren't in buying mode, whereas they do go to Amazon to buy stuff. They are only right. there to buy stuff. So you have to find a way to get your audience that didn't go there to buy stuff to be interested. And the best way to do that is know what interests them. Yeah, and of course, uh, uh, you know, since you, you went down the social media route, just one more quick waltz on top of my head is also social media um, you know, back in, we, we actually grew up in the days before there was actually an internet, right? We, and, uh, <laughs> we grew up in the days before yeah. there was color TV, let's be honest. <laughs> and back then, when you went out, the, 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 like when people said, let's go, go network, what you did is you got face to face with people, you talked, you were personable. The problem with a lot of people that market on social media um, over the internet is that they forget the word social in it. I mean, you know, they, they send me things like, yo, check out my song, you know, and I have no idea who they are. I would never walk up to a group of people at a party with a bag on my head and say, yo, check out my song, Dropping Friday, you know? Right. I mean, I would, first of all, have a, have a nice picture to my platform. You know, my username would be B Borg or Bobby Borg. It wouldn't be something like Jack Hoff 69 or something, you know, like what people- Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> right, you were saying. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, people use these, these funny uh, usernames. They don't have profile pictures. They have their dogs. When they try to contact people, they don't speak to them personally. Um, they just do the, the blanket, you know, stuff, you know. So reach out to people when you have something to say. Like go through your your, your, your friends and email them directly, you know, mm -hmm. and say, hey, Bobby, would you check out this link? You know, I've been watching your profile. I really like what you do. You know, show that there's like some sort of social in the social networking, which I think a lot of people really, really forget. It's just kind of just throwing it out there. So. Well, it, it contributes to answering the question of who am I? Who is my my target, my demographic, whatever term you want to use? Like your your social media is gonna if if I, I mean like you, if I hear about an artist, I'm not gonna respond to the yo check out my song. But if someone approaches it in a in a cool way, almost even before I listen to the music, I'm going to see what their social media presence is. Do they have the website, the Twitter, the Instagram, the this? Because then I know they're thinking about it. You know, and especially for for us, especially is we're going to promote music into other media. 
I need uh, media right. people are going to go out and look at other media. So it's like you've got to be taking care of your own shit so that I can be comfortable going out and trying to promote you that you kind of have you know who you are what is what is your tone what is your yeah. you know your personality your voice you know yeah. I want to be able to to read as you're saying having nothing to do with your music I want to get a sense of who are you I've got to tell you the other day we ran a listing what was it for singer songwriters it was for Christmas. Uh, it, it was for a music licensing company that specializes in advertising. Again, sorry for my weird speech pattern today. I bit my it's tongue. Okay, we all have problems. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bobby's I'll come up with a problem. <laughs> it's like talking to Spider Man. Bobby's having an allergic thing, and his eyes are all red. Right, so, right, right. Uh, yeah, really, you need your own problem. I know, I need all dribble water, and I have a drinking problem. <laughs> of uh, oh, where the hell? Is, oh, so we ran a listing the other day. Um, we had 200 submissions for the listing. It was looking for music. It was a TV commercial in a foreign country. I can't remember which one, but it was a dad, a husband and wife in a store. He sees a cool object. It becomes the object of his desire. He, his wife is like, come on, honey, we got to get home. He puts it back down. And then on Christmas morning under the tree, he can see the box size. And he goes, ah, she got it for me. Mm. It wasn't for him. So they needed a song that kind of fit this narrative, and we ran the listing, and there was a bunch of great music in there. There wasn't a bunch of music that was right in there. Right. But there was one thing that we heard, um, three or four of us sitting in a room together in the A&R, down the hall in the A&R department, and we were all going, holy crap, whoa. Every step of the way, this song was working. And we forwarded it, and the company's like, this is amazing. The woman who owns the company emailed me a couple times over the weekend and said, I can't stop listening to this. Everything mm. about it was just the way you want it to be. So I went online and researched the guy who sent it in. I'll give him a shout-out. Uh, his name was Derek Nielsen. Um, Nielsen? Nelson. Derek Nelson. D-E-R-I-K Nelson. He was the guitar player in the band on the show Glee for four years. Oh, so wow. he's got some industry experience, and he has a band called Derek Nelson and Family. And it's his sister um, and his brother. They're a very attractive, youngish, like 20-something, maybe 30-year-old um, family. But they're, they're like attractive. They have a great presence. They are a touring band, and they do three shows a week. Uh, and they're doing like 200 seaters, maybe up to 2,000 wow. seaters. They are killing it on every level. But you know what? They are their own roadies. They're their own promotion and marketing mm -hmm. department. They do everything amongst the three of them, including they built a video wall, a five-panel video wall that they put in their van and take on the road. And they're just mm. getting it all right. Why the hell am I talking about this? Um Personality. Uh, oh, they've picking. identified. Yeah. yeah, their music is not right for the Billboard Hot 100. They're not doing beat-driven EDM pop music. They're doing stuff with incredible. Seriously, they could outsing the Eagles. I'm not exaggerating. Their harmonies are spectacularly good, but they've identified their audience. And what they do is every time they go to a city to play a 500-seater, a 1,000-seater, they also go to a junior high or a high school, and they put on a show at the high school to stimulate creativity and whatever in kids. So they're dual purpose for every city they go to. Right. They are doing everything right, 
And they, unfortunately, they're booked already during the road rally, November 2nd through the 5th in Los Angeles. <laughs> but next year, I'm going to get them on the stage because I want them to inspire other people because it can be done. Yeah, sure. I want to add something to that because a lot of your your, re, your your audience might be saying, wow, that sounds cool, but, you know, hey, I work a day job and take care of a family, you know, and, and this, the music thing is, is sort of a complement to their, to their life, you know, something maybe they always wanted to do, so they go home and on the weekends they write and they use services like taxi and things like that to get themselves out there. So, of course, that's not a practical road for for everybody because that's the route that I took the one you suggested as well where it's 24/7 nothing but music and you know also and, and, very driven and very yeah, yeah and that would be you know if uh, that would be the advice first first, uh, first and foremost that I would give would be you know work your ass off 24/7 you know but then your audience would probably say but I don't have 24/7 of course right. you know and so we have to be um, you know sensitive of that but still the idea of being clear about what it is that you're doing and then also delegating the workload among the people that you're working with so that you don't feel that you have all of this pressure on you to sit around and do Facebook or Twitter or Reverb Nation or whatever the case might be, you know, kind of balancing things out is I think the the important thing in that as well. So if you can find people, um, you know, that will do the work. A lot of people raise their hand, right. yeah, and say, "I'll do it." And they're, right. they're well meaning, and, right. and they get into it for the right reason, but they may not have the chops to That's do it. That's true. It's absolutely, uh, and, right. and they and really, have to be able to know, look in the mirror of what I can do and what I can't do, and find someone who's an expert at That's, it. that's uh, You know, honestly, I never plug anything I don't believe in, but as you can see by the post-it <laughs> notes in here, I actually read this book. Um, buy this book because it covers singing, promoting, songwriting, publishing, and recording. So it gives you, and it's not just like it gives you a little bit of everything, it actually gives you a lot of everything, but look, these guys are smart. Two-fifths of the book. <laughs> right there. Well, so, that's why it well did like when and our other three co-authors, Annika who did uh, the songwriting part, Kareen who did the singing, and Eric Korn on the record production, like your audience, like there are lots of the, the, why everyone did this and how Leonard was great in supporting it is that there are books that concentrate on singing, there are books that concentrate on songwriting, there are books that concentrate on marketing, etc. But there's not one book that covers it all in one place. Right, and covers and of course, it well. W well, that was the challenge I think for all five of us in writing it, in that you you had a fifth of the book, you had yeah. to kind of distill it down to <laughs> right. you know uh, the basics where you can put the message across and give someone the basic understanding and tools of where they need to start, and then they can go out and explore further the areas that they know that they're weaker in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and sorry, quickly though, to your point, you know, when you're talking about the audience and the ones who can't do the 24 seven, that's why I think it's even more important for those people to know you, you only have so much limited time in your day. You have to know exactly who your audience is, right. who, what your message is, because then you're in your limited period of time you can devote to this. You're, you're, you're putting the time in the best place. Or you could just tell your family to screw off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, look, I, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I, I am now working seven days a week in preparation for the road rally. I'm not doing it to be heroic. I'm doing it because it's got to be done. Mm -hmm. In order for the road rally to be that good, it requires me for somewhere between 30 and 60 days, one year, 91 days in a row without a day off, if you want to be successful at anything, if you 
know that you've got that in front of you. Do I, I, I love TV. Look, uh, you know, put a TV show on and I'm gone. Uh, but I had to, for, I came to the office rather than working at the house because there wasn't a, a distraction here. Yeah. And that's the kind of commitment you need. But you know what? You've got to want it. I want the road rally to be amazingly good. I don't want anybody to leave the road rally and go, not as good as last year. Right. I want right. to say it was better than last yeah, year. Yeah, you got to up it every year. Right. So I come in and work these crazy hours because I want that. Well, you guys as musicians, if, if don't sit around being pissed off at the world because the world hasn't given you what you feel you deserve. There are no entitlements in the music industry or in anything that you want to be great at. you got to go get it. That's right. And yeah. it's going to take weekends. It's yeah. going to take nights. But then you get it, and uh, hopefully... You know, I've done well enough, knock on wood, with the company that can I take my family on a ski trip? Yes. Do we have a private jet? Oh, you betcha. No, we don't have a private jet. <laughs> so I want to ride. Not. I was like, really? <laughs> I need to go to New York. Now, people want to believe that everybody who owns a company is like filthy rich and just, you know, somebody. Oh, yeah. want, I was having this conversation with my wife last night. Somebody once said to me, how dare you spend my money like that? Because they, I went to the Hawaii songwriters thing. How oh, dare you spend wow. my? No, that was my money that I worked weekends to make, mm -hmm. so that I could go to that event and then hang out with my. And hang out with you. Yep, absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, let me grab a question from this list. Um, I have my own publishing company with BMI. Oh, were you in the room in Hawaii when I said how many of you guys um, are published by BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC? And yes, like, I was. 90% of the hands went up, and I went, none of you are, because you're Trick not published. Question. It was, yeah. but it was a really good one, wasn't no, it? No, it's, it was a great one. <laughs> I thought I executed that with great finesse. Uh, <laughs> I have my own publishing. We actually answered a lot of these. Um, I, I think this one is a, is a good one. If you look all the way down, third from the bottom, or second from the bottom. But I, I was going from second for the top, the one okay. about negotiating with libraries. <laughs> well, you're the boss. <laughs> I am. I am, Bobby. Don't you forget it, sucker. You are the boss. <laughs> but we will hold on. I am a guest. Right. That's right. Taxi, taxi <laughs> hold on to that one because I will get to it. But I thought this one was good. I have my own publishing company with BMI. In other words, this taxi member has his own publishing company. Mm -hmm. It's registered with BMI or affiliated with BMI. I get confused with the aspect of only getting 50% when I'm the writer and I have my own publishing company. Are libraries willing to negotiate at any level given the circumstances? And do I need to master? That's a whole other thing, so yeah, I'm not going a... there. But um, just because you have your own publishing company doesn't mean that you get more. No, well, <laughs> I mean, you could. Yeah, I mean, the, mean the, also the question, too, is sort of, you know, our library. So I feel like this question might be sort of on a library front. Oh, uh, it is. Absolutely. So, is. yes. I mean, first of all, I'm one of my little sort of pet peeves that happens a lot, especially because of the film and TV world that we spend so much time in, is that a lot of folks who join BMI or also even ASCAP get told that they can sign up only as a writer and not yeah. set up a publishing company mm -hmm. and that everything will get paid through their writer account and that is a bad idea. And the reason why they really? do that is because there's, there's a, a fee in some cases to pay for that the is true. For, to be a publisher. Uh, but but again, not to get off topic because I want to answer the question. But 
but you know when anything anytime anything gets used in a film or a television show there is what's called a cue sheet mm -hmm. and it has separate columns for the writer's share and separate columns for the publisher's share and describes how the music was used well if you don't have a publishing company they're going to put your name in both columns but a foreign society doesn't know that your arrangement with your domestic PRO is that they'll pay you everything through your writer account. They're going to look, when they take in that cue sheet, they're going to look for a publisher with that name, which doesn't exist. So you run the risk of your publishing money kind of going into this limbo, and you'll only get your writer's money. Anyways, but going so back to this question of really good to know. getting 50%, like, all right, if you're a writer and you're a publisher... But if this person who, who submitted the question is doing a deal with a library, the typical library deal is you are giving them the full publisher share, right? i.e. 50%, and then you as the songwriter are also being left with the remaining 50%, the songwriter. Writer share, publisher So are libraries willing to negotiate? Every library is different. Some of those deals can, but I mean, the typical one is what I just described. Right. The whole publisher share goes to them, whole writer share. There are some libraries that I think will do sort of a co-publishing split, but then but, they do the retitling of songs, which isn't always uh, isn't always perceived very well. It goes back and forth, but I mean, some people are fine with it. Other people. I are think not. you know, really, the answer to this question is, you know. There, find out what the deal is before you sign anything. And, and you, you know, should make do, it, do your research. And is it exclusive or non-exclusive? Because I mean, right. even if you, even if they do, whether or not they do a co-pub or they take the whole piece, they they still could be uh, instances where they do retitle so that you can continue to. Um, use the song or license the song, and they can do it right on a non-exclusive basis. They, they so could. that you don't that get the two option. incomes mixed up. Right. right. Yeah. So going back to negotiating with the library, libraries deal in bulk. Um, Correct. Uh, even a small library will have 500 to 2,000 pieces of music in it. A big library could have 25,000 up to a quarter of a million or more. Oh, absolutely. Um, so they're not going to cut a different deal for Bobby or Michael or me because it gets unwieldy. Mm -hmm. Now, when they will negotiate with you, as for instance, and I'm only using his name in this example, I may not be 100% right about this, but I'm probably in the ballpark. We have a taxi member named Matt Hurt that's been around for a long time. He is one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever met on the music, musician side about music libraries. He's also extremely hardworking, extremely capable, extremely focused, and knows what they want. So Matt Hurt has such a strong track record of making money for libraries that when he meets a new library and they say to him, here's your typical 50-50 deal, Matt will say, he's Swiss, so he'll say, well, hold on a minute because I've got a, a deal, you know, uh, with, with such and such a company where they're only getting 25% of every publishing dollar. Right. And that's because he wields power because of his previous success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, almost any library will negotiate with you if you are a proven income earner when you walk through their door. Um, and you do something that maybe they don't have. Right. You know, so what's do your, your research. Again. What's in it what for me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, of course, if 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 this question from this person actually, if this person owns their own masters as well, I'm hearing deals where companies are also asking for a portion of the master as well for these songs. Are you finding a lot of that too? As well, well, a lot of the libraries will kind of take as this 
50-50 business, you know, where they're the whole publishing and all of that. Right. A lot of them may, especially if it's exclusive, may end up taking ownership of the master. Right. The I would say so, most would. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'd say, again, every deal, these right. are all questions that need to be asked before anyone enters into that. But what the libraries don't want to do is spend this amount of time having the conversation with 10,000 people. Sure. Uh, and, and they... If they're on the phone negotiating a deal or talking to you about their deal and how it lays out for you, they're not pitching. Most libraries are one, two, three-person companies, and for every minute they spend answering a question like this, that's a minute they're not spending on pitching, and that's mm -hmm. where the money comes from. So basically they say, this is my deal. Yeah. Will they make an exception for the five guys that are like Matt Hurt? Yeah, because it's five guys. Will they make the exception for 25% of their 10,000 people? Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So there's your reality check. Bobby, what was your question? You know, I think what I was going to say was, I think this is important because I see students, uh, you know, emerging students, you know, through Musicians Institute and through UCLA. I mean, I've seen thousands over the, the last 15 years, and a lot of the problems are the same. And one of the issues are, is that, you know, and this is, I say this with a, with a caveat, because you, you have to be careful what I'm about to say here. But, you know, sometimes in the beginning, you know, if you're going to put your foot down and say, no, these are my terms, and you haven't done anything yet, you know, right. you know <laughs> it, it's like you might never end up doing anything. <laughs> so, you know, and again, I say this with caution, but if you're entering into deals that aren't going to lock you into these horribly long-term, you know, exclusive situations, and maybe it is a, a song basis, I mean... Is that one song that you just wrote really going to be the next smash hit of the century? I mean, maybe this is an opportunity for you to do a deal with someone. Maybe the deal might not be perfect, but it will break you in where you can get some experience and some track record mm -hmm. and, uh, and maybe then learn from that and move on to your next. But again, I say that with absolute caution because, you know, in some cases that one song might be, uh, you know, a, a big hit. But, but you know, but... Uh, so, so think of it that way, because uh, again, it, you know, he who has the gold wins. I mean, in other words, the more negotiation power you have, the more you can get away with. But right. in the beginning, if you're going to put your foot down and you're going to be worried about all these people that are trying to rip you off and all this, you know, you got to be careful of that. But then again, not so careful that you end up not doing anything, which, which I, again, I say with caution. But. Yeah. Again, you got to know what you're doing. What are the deal points? You got to know when to give. Mm -hmm. Right. Otherwise, someone's going to be like, eh. Life's too short. Yeah. You're, you're taking too much of my time. I'm going to go over here. When you get to the point, uh, when you're making $50,000 a year or more from syncing your music to film, TV, whatever media, at that point, maybe you should start entertaining. Uh, you know, if you're working with, let's say you're working with five different publishers and you're making 50K a year, you might be able to reach out to one or two of those publishers that you've had longstanding relationships with and they're benefiting the most from your relationship say guys I you know I'm working with a lot of libraries I really like the way we work together but I'd like to renegotiate the deal because you're bringing something mm -hmm. to the party and there's a track record and a relationship mm -hmm. uh, absolutely but you're right coming out of, you know it's like well I don't want to give that to you because I read a book once that said you should never give <laughs> yeah. up 100% I get right. this call all the time I read a book or I spoke to a music attorney here in Cincinnati that said I should never give up 100% of my publishing and oh my god give it up for no money up front right exactly yeah. if you're writing songs for Beyonce I get that if you're writing songs for music library not so much yeah right well so, and if you have no track record as you're yeah. saying like, yeah. yeah you know that, that's important. And that's not to say give it away for free. 
I'm a big proponent of free has its its right, that's, that's, purpose, right? Especially on the marketing and promotion, right? Side. Absolutely, yeah. But sure. you know, I feel at the same time you got to approach free where it is a uh, there's still a value. Uh, what's the word? Proposition. Thank maybe. you. There's like a value proposition on both sides. Mm -hmm. I may be given this for free, but you're you're benefiting who you're giving it to, and in return, maybe they're not giving you money, but they're giving you uh, some other benefit. Some sort of as benefit well. in return. Yeah. You know, maybe it's yeah. a credit. Maybe it's a yeah. you know promotion in some way. I mean, every situation. Maybe is it's different, a relationship but. builder. You can't whore yourself out all the time. But um, Lynn Grossman um, mentioned this on a panel we might have been doing together in Hawaii, where she said, "Look." Sometimes you give stuff away for cheap or for free because it adds one more brick to the wall of the relationship. And if you really get a sense that that person's going to come back to you because they owe you a solid, okay, give it away. Don't give it away every time, but it's a slip. It can be a slippery Absolutely. slope or a dangerous yeah. situation because you got to know. If Michael Ames called me up and said, Lasco, I need you to do, not that I write anything, but if I did, and he said, you need me, I need you to do me a solid on this. Uh, because there's no money in the budget, I would believe him that he would come back to me and do me a solid. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because right. we well, know each other. Well, we again, know the it's a relationship, and as long as there's trust, we right. have the exact situation this morning where someone wanted to use a, a piece of music in a in a TV show on the CW, and they didn't have enough money. Like it's a very music intensive episode and they're like hey can you do it for a grand you know whereas maybe we do it more for three or five grand usually and it's like you know what yes like of course i gotta get the approval of my guy but it's yeah, sort of yeah. like you know what they used it and if it's someone who has you have that trust and they have the respect they're going to be like you know what i remember that so i'm yeah, going sure. to come back the next time when i have money and i'm going to reward right, that go, leap yeah. of faith the way I like to look at it is that nothing is free, nothing at all is free. I like to flip it. It sounds going to sound like the same thing, but in essence, nothing is free, but you can give it away at no cost to the customer or no cost yeah. to your fan. So, I mean, think about it. I mean, you're not giving it away for free. If I just spent you know, $20,000 to record a record in six months of my life, there's nothing free about that. So if I give it to somebody, um, I might want to say, you know what, you know, we, we cost us twenty thousand dollars to make this record. You know, normally we sell it at our show for ten dollars, but I'd like to have you to have a copy at no cost, and perhaps you'd be interested in maybe giving us your email or or maybe writing us a review or something exactly. of that nature. So, speaking of no cost, um, Bobby mentioned before we rolled out the show today that he's got uh where did i want me to tell him about it real quick yeah would you please yeah so I, so there's a company out there called groove three and if you guys are familiar with them they make actually some really really great educational streaming video literally everything songwriting production marketing and groove three and how leonard just actually came out with a 30 video um marketing set uh, that is available um, by subscription on Groove3. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to give out five subscription codes to obviously five uh, you know, viewers. viewers today. And uh, what that will do is that will give you access to the website 
to all of their videos on the websites, not just mine, for a complete month. So it will give you an opportunity to really potentially you could sit home and watch all this stuff <laughs> for for free. And of course, I would like you to of course watch my videos, right? Because that's yeah. why that's why I'm giving them out. But um, I don't know how we're going to do this. Uh, but... At the end of the show, we'll have everybody who's interested type in a plus one as they scroll by, give it the flying finger of fate, and go Bing, 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 and they will email Matt at taxi.com. Um, we'll know who they are because we'll call their names out, their screen names on the show, and then Matt will connect you with their email addresses and you'll send them the Right, favorite. and I'll send you guys the code and how to, how to log in. And essentially what this is, is the complete marketing process. It actually mimics my book, um, Music Marketing for the DIY Musician, if any of you guys are familiar with that. It literally goes all the way from vision. <laughs> I know, I don't have my copy either. <laughs> all the way to execution. <laughs> Um, so what it does is it really gets into traditional marketing concepts that are not going to go any away anytime soon. I mean, these are things that don't go out of date. These are very conceptual, uh, philosophical um, uh, things that, that have to do with marketing. So it starts all the way from a vision and takes you all the way through execution. So that's our gift to you guys that's today. That's cool. Yeah. Speaking of execution, been to Texas lately? Bada boom. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, I love Texas. The humidity is awesome. Your skin has no cracks in it. <laughs> While we're talking about things, <laughs> oh, yeah. subscribe. If you don't already subscribe to our channel on YouTube, please do. And Speaking of the flying finger of fate, give us a thumbs up. I like it. Yeah. I like all I like these, it. I like all these I tools you got, man. Very high it. tech around here. Yeah, I love it. You know, why huh. hire somebody? Is that marketing? Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, Very cool. We try. Um, people always say to me, you know, why is your show so lo-fi? I'm afraid if it were like HD with good quality audio, it would lose some of the charm. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, about good information. It is That's about it. You is. know, I get emails from people that say I'm stunned that you guys don't have like hundreds of thousands of views because the information on the show is so much better than the other crap that's out there. So, you know, we don't do this for income. So, whatever. Right. The smart people watch it. They learn stuff. They succeed. And yeah. Well, and it's, it's akin to music. How many, how many bands have we all seen that have put out records that they clearly have tons of money behind them but you listen to the music and there's nothing like yeah. you feel nothing right so it's not all about the bells and whistles and the trappings and it's what what packaging it's in that, like, that's that's you absolutely gotta feel it. A, 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 such an important point because you know when we're talking about publishing and we're talking about marketing we have to go back to the very beginning because there is no publishing there's no marketing unless you have the, the high quality songs and I know that's easier said than done but everybody I mean, thinks really they do starts. yeah I mean, yeah. it, it's really true. I mean, everybody does think that they have the goods and that they, they deserve a place to be seen and they deserve a place to be published. And they ask, how can I get more Twitter fans and all that kind of stuff? It's it's not about the tools. It's not about having 100,000 Twitter fans that are watching you eat, you know, or, or Instagram fans that are looking <laughs> at pictures of you eating pizza. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it comes, it comes down to having so, some really good stuff first and foremost. So... You have to have a very, very clear vision about what it is that you're trying to do and what you want to do from the heart, and then you have to know what you're good at as well. Mm -hmm. And you have to know what your strengths are and your weaknesses. I, I mean, a lot of it, when we talk to a lot of our independent artists, and I think uh, a lot of this is, is true today, sure, the media will tell us all about, you know, 
oh, you know, insert celebrity name here, you know, who's done this and they sell this and they've had X number of streams, whatever. But I mean, like, you don't need to be thinking at that lofty level. Right. Like, it's like, focus on the super fan. You know, if you can find just a thousand people who will, throughout a 12-month period, spend $100 a year on you, whether that be a CD or your your show or a t-shirt, you're making 100 grand a year. Yeah. Like, it's a thousand people. Yeah. And now it's still hard to get those a thousand people. But I mean, when you look at it at that smaller micro sort of level, it's like it feels a little bit more manageable. Let's move on to the really important stuff now. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John, give me some good yeah. dirt. Well, no, we all put out the good, you know, cancer came back, so we're all, it you did. know, it did actually, did, no, you know. No, I'm sorry to hear no, that. no I, we're all sorry to hear it. So I was gonna say, well, Olivia, let's put out all the positive vibes. Yeah, absolutely. She went through a highly wow. publicized, you know, breast cancer years ago. The I cancer's that back, and no, it's but I mean, again, it's all about the music. She's all about communicating with her fans she was honest with everyone of what she's been going through she has a genuine connection and everyone cares yeah and when you're going through something like that there's nothing better than getting all of that love and you know sort of good she vibes give the whatever term you want to use there's nothing know. bad you could say about her no absolutely not she's a sweetheart man yeah i'm sorry to hear that yeah um I have I have a question sure. for you. For I, me. Might, I, might, I might end up putting you on the spot. I'm Go good. Ahead. I'm fine okay. with that. I, I cherish those moments. <laughs> but you know, I'm getting in the minds of, of uh, I want to get in the mind of the of the, of the listeners of the viewers here, and um, and you know, Penn Music Group is uh, you know a company that has been along around for a long time, and you guys do film and TV and game placements, and you do admin as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I were out there. Um, in webland watching this right now first thing i would would be thinking is is you know how do i get stuff to you and like what is it that makes you go "Ooh, i like that i want to represent that besides some of the stuff that we've already talked about because i know that you aren't open for literally every every indie artist to like hand you their music. Yeah, we should say, make that you know, clear because thousands of people will ultimately watch this and be saying <laughs> stuff. So right, right. I mean, it's not uh, like you know you do have certain requirements, and you know, and and sometimes people even ask me, hey, can you get some of my stuff to Ames? And you know, Ames, sorry, and uh, I can't even say your name. Happens all right? the time. That's, all that's how you don't get music. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mint's <laughs> pronounced. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Mr. Bird. <laughs> Me, Mr. Burge. Um, you know, you know, yeah. But Wrong. I mean, you know, I, I just I tell them I say, you, you know, I mean, um, oh, you know, you have to have like a little bit of a of a track record going on. Maybe you have some things that you found some placements on your own. Um, you know, your stuff is is. Is, is polished, it's well recorded. I mean, you take over from here. You know? uh, well, I mean, honestly, like every situation. Sorry to put every, you on the no, spot. No, no. I'm really good at on the spot <laughs> questions. Honestly, the, the, the real honest to goodness answer is every situation is different. Mm-hmm. You know, like Michael and I were, were at the Hawaii Songwriting Festival a couple of weeks ago. And aside from the fact that, you know, it was a wonderful setting, what was what is great about events like that uh, is that you're all in a, a confined, you know, space for three or four days. So 
you know, you can run into somebody and you develop a relationship. I mean, that that's a common theme, I think, mm -hmm. that keeps coming yeah. up. Mm -hmm. You know, and like... I can see this person's not a stalker. They don't scare me. And the music's pretty darn good when we did the one-to-one -one thing. So. No, well, I was just going to say, like, throughout this conference there, every day there were mentoring sessions. So those of us that had volunteered to go... You know, we were sitting. <laughs> Nobody there. volunteers to go to Hawaii. Let's be all right. Sure. Fair enough. <laughs> it, you know, it was still. You know, anyways, it was a time commitment, but it was a beautiful. If I'm going to go anywhere, I'd go there. Go Let's there. put it that way. Or the Taxi um, Road Rally, November second through fifth. Just um, as beautiful there. Just as. Um, but it's you know we had 15 minutes because I know you did some of these too. We had like an hour and a half. Everyone had slots. You had 15 minutes, and we got. You know, I actually, there were a couple that, you know, we developed a good rapport right there because I heard what they were doing, whether they played me music or not. Mm -hmm. And you can see they're trying hard, and then you run into each other later and you strike up a conversation, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to want to listen to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we get incredible amounts of submissions on our website, of course. Everything does eventually get listened to, but I'm not going to, like, tell straight out we listen to things immediately because. It's a ridiculous right. sort of long, long line of a queue in front of everyone that right. we got to go through. And if but you're we listening, do get you're to not it. Pitching. It, it. Absolutely, um, you know. So we, like I think anyone else, it all comes back to trusted sources. Sure, I, I existing really... clients who say, "Oh, I'd really like you to hear my buddy right, who's exactly. doing this," or yeah. "I've worked with them." Yeah, I am going to naturally prioritize listening to that right, over something that comes in off the form yeah. off our website. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in front of you know uh, over the over the years thousands of independent artists that have again gave gave me stuff and said hey you know you know people in the industry can you help us get placements of things and I have not come to you as you know yeah maybe more than twice okay uh -huh. and the one time I did this person had a song already published in a film which was Frozen. Yeah. And you ended up actually still oh, dealing with it. It's her. actually it's Lisa with Lego Movie. Yes, wasn't yeah. Frozen. Oh, it was Lego. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no, you're you know, absolutely so, right. So I mean, in other words, so so I was very careful about like because I mean, if I've been pitching you ever since I've known you, like literally everything that comes across my desk, I mean, it would be like, yo, Bobby. But you know, the one time <laughs> or two times I did approach you, mm -hmm. you were like, well, you know, maybe I should check this out because I mean. You know, again, you know, trusted you know. source. I'm right. gonna be like, well, they're not gonna send me anything that's crap. So right, yes, right, I'm gonna, right, I'm gonna right. do that. Yeah. And in my case, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, but it's, it's true. A, it's a running joke well, because I've never gone to Michael and asked him to do anything. But my daughter and I know. Yeah, it's not unprofessional because it's a real case. She it's has a, a real cut with real, actual, honest to goodness activity going on. Yeah, it's mil fantastic. million and a half. She co-wrote a song. She owns 100% of her publishing on it. Um, her co-writer uh, has a co-pub deal with, with um, Pure Music. So my daughter has got 100% of her publishing, and she's off going to college. And she's like, Dad, what do I do? And I said, I'll reach out to Michael Ames. And, and here and we are. absolutely talk about that <laughs> offline because they probably don't want to hear about this. But, but, the, but the point it being, underscores the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, I never came to you when my daughter was starting out and didn't have that success. Right. And frankly, it almost doesn't matter if the song's any good or not. What matters is there's income. Right. No. So for sure. now I've got. That's like every case is different. So I mean, right. I'm not sort of well, going back to your original question, not dodging it. It just kind of all kind of. It's timing, it's like a source, you know, who knows? And, and, and to be honest, to, to your earlier point, um, 
you know, sort of about musicians knowing the business, a lot of times, honestly, I'm kind of like, you know what, I'm really busy right now, like, check back with me in three or four weeks. And honestly, 90% of the time, I never hear from them again. Right. Wow. So, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah. I know tons of wonderful creative people, but they aren't of this the personality that's going to be like oh let me write down that to do mm-hmm. well, that's and that i need to do it in three or four weeks and i kind of don't have enough time in my day where i want to be with the person that it remembers right. that writes down oh i better follow up with that person they probably felt rejected they felt like oh he's just shining me he's blowing me off Screw him. But you don't know until you've tried right. back with me exactly. in three or four weeks. Yeah. So don't let yourself be injured because your own brain says he's shutting you down. Exactly. He may just not have the time. Yeah. yeah. Right now, I've got people that are extremely close friends of mine, taxi members that I feel like are family to me, and I have not answered their emails for weeks because I'm in road rally mode. And I have to choose, do I walk into that ballroom and put on the best road rally I can, or do I reach out to somebody who's going you know, like, to leave me alone during the road rally? Follow-up is very, very important. And of course, on another note that you brought up too, the issue of of rejection. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be the first person that says that, you know, you have to be, you know, you're going to be rejected over and over and over and over again until, you know, something happens. Now, again, I say that with caution. But you will. You know, I'm rejected yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. we all are. Any, yeah. Anyone yeah. who does what we do. Right. You're going to be rejected many, many, many times. I mean, we all have our stories of that over the years, and, and it still happens as well, right? I mean, it's but, but you know, of course, we have to be clear that, you know, you, you're not just thinking, oh, I'll just ask a million times. You also have to make sure, again, that you're, you know, you've got the, the goods, so to speak, yeah. you know, because the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over <laughs> right. again. And expecting different and expect results. Different results. Right. Exactly. Keep it going. All I'm, right, ma- I'm right. making a sign. Okay, oh, good. okay. Good. So, um, uh, wanted to tell you guys as well. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys are in the Los Angeles area, but Michael and I are going to be doing a class together oh, right. at UCLA. It's it's called Intro to Music Publishing: A Creative and Business Perspective, and um, that's going to be. I'm really excited about uh, the, the partnership. Um, in oh that yeah. Because. Um, this is the warm-up. Yeah. We've yeah. never done this. this. I mean, we've yeah. done this. Mm-hmm. We've just never done an actual class because he's yeah. like, you know, teacher extraordinaire and all the books and the classes. And for me, my first foray was was doing the book you held up right. earlier with all five of us. It was right. an awesome experience. Do you mean this book? That would be yeah. the one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so no. anybody, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Anybody that's in Los Angeles, uh, it's going to happen next next spring at UCLA Extension. And um, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great. And you know, I mean, I'll just tell you. In a lot of my classes that I do, we have a lot of guests that come in, and because of these guests are trusting, you know, they they do listen to you know students' material and give feedback and and, and critiques and things. So this might be also another uh, opportunity for you yeah. guys to, you know, uh, to kind of uh, check out you know your goods, so to speak. So. After you've gone to the taxi road rally, November second through the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I literally, before you got here today, had somebody that had to bow out because he's now got to leave town, and he was. Uh, I don't have my road rally stuff, but I believe it was on Friday, November third, at two forty-five p.m. Are you available? I'm pretty available. <laughs> 
there's only so much. Yeah, there's only so much space in my adult brain, but I will check. Yes, right, absolutely. Last year, you used the weak ass excuse that you had a wedding anniversary or something, and as I've said, weak ass excuse. You have to Come tell on. your family they need to ha- know their place. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I adore You're my kidding. family. My wife has put up with me for so long and all the crazy stuff. She's been amazing. Yeah, any any wife who is married to somebody in our industry got to really love your being nuts. You know? Yeah. Like, there, there is no 9 to 5 in our world. No, it's definitely true. Anyway, uh, do you guys have some questions? Because we have 15 minutes left, so if you have a question, don't let me uh, end the show today without doing the drawing for the five free codes oh, to yeah. um, get Bobby's videos. Oh, I do that, let me look here to see. You look up there for okay. any other questions. I'll look here to see if there's anything we didn't already cover. And if you guys type in question in all caps, it'll make it easier because the laptop's really this far away good. from me. Hmm? How do you keep a publisher honest? <laughs> That's a great question. How do you keep a All publisher right. honest? I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> of course, Bobby wants to. Bobby wants that question addressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does it? How do we keep a publisher honest as far as their work ethic to get content from the catalog placed and integrity to not cut the content provider out of placements? Besides just a contractual agreement. Oh, wow, that's like a triple barrel okay. question. Yeah, what does that mean? Yes, exactly. that sounds, first of all, like you have a very specific experience and that I'm probably not going to be able to help you with. Um, but I mean, I think it addresses the point of any time, like you were asking about library stuff earlier, like any time you enter into any agreement, meet with them, talk with them. Are they someone that likes what you do? Do you feel like they would be a real partner? You know, do you feel that they're honest? Do you, are they getting music placed? You know, I mean, I know, I've known of some people who have gone into, you know, especially some of these, I mean, the music libraries proliferate all over the place. Yeah. Because, frankly, as the music business has downsized over the last five to ten years, people have sort of left their job and decided I'm going to start a music library. And, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding because there are a lot of people that have, and this is not a slam to them, it's just a literal reality of, you know, if you've been in a corporate world and you get downsized and you become an independent, two totally different worlds. Absolutely. And if you haven't sort of lived the independent life, right. well, just because you have amazing credits doesn't mean you can actually pull off what you're you're putting out your shingle to pull well, off. I've had people come here that want to be uh, an A&R person, a screener, a taxi, that have been vice president of Sony Film and TV or Universal Film and TV, and they go, oh yeah, I've got the whole film and TV thing worked out. Uh, no, they don't. They're used to dealing with like licensing prints for a movie, yeah, not licensing right. taxi members. Yeah. And it's completely, utterly different. Right. So, you know, how do you keep your publisher honest? Like, do do your work. If it's someone who's good that can give you feedback, and if at the end they're not delivering, you go somewhere else. Have I kept every artist that we've ever worked with? No, I've lost them. You try hard, sometimes it works. Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, whatever the, the reason or the circumstance, it doesn't work. And ask you the right, part ways. Ask the right questions because let's say Bobby's really nailing it and he's making $42,000 a year with instrumental stuff that's getting on MTV or reality shows all the time. And you create songs, acoustic love songs. It would be great for montages. The library that made him the 42K last year might not be, probably isn't the right library for your right. love songs. Because no, exactly. they, they pitch different things to different entities. So 
uh, now uh, Michael takes his love songs, puts it in the same catalog that Bobby's instrumentals are in, and a year later he's like, WTF, why aren't you getting my stuff placed? Right. Because it's not their area of right. expertise. Yeah. So know <laughs> who you're asking to handle your stuff. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's right. a really huge one because there's a lot of people out there that just want to feel like they're being represented by somebody and they just want to sign into a deal. Um, it's got to be the right deal. It's got to be with the right people. Right. Right? No, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, you're looking there. I'm, I'm I love that everyone's it. chatting amongst themselves. Oh, actually. they always do. It's Someone like, what said they were on Cape Cod. I almost wanted to ask, oh, I didn't get to go this summer. Where are you? Um, um, yeah, they're know. talking about having beans for dinner and stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the strangest oh. conversations take place in our chat room. I love it. Uh, all right, if nothing has jumped out, I have one here that we didn't answer um, that I could throw out something okay. on. Uh, so someone wrote here, because I don't know the name, uh, for sync fees, if we are pitching our music and making the deals, we can collect based on the contracts we've signed. But I've heard about a friend's music being used in other places throughout the world, and they have never given permission for it to be used. Uh, you know, how do we track that down and collect those sync fees, etc.? So this is actually a thing that is entirely foreign to you, uh, us in the U.S., in that, you know, in, uh, let's just do the United Kingdom, right? Okay. PRS is the Performing Rights Society there, MCPS the Mechanical Society. For local networks and production companies that exist in the UK and do produce local content, they have blanket licenses with PRS and MCPS to use whatever they want. So these this friend's music, as long as those songs end up getting registered at those societies, they automatically become part of the blanket license. Tell them what a blanket license is. Okay. So, I mean, a blanket license can apply in a bunch of situations, but essentially a blanket license is someone controls a, a fair amount of repertoire and you enter into a license that allows the user to use everything in your repertoire. So like ASCAP and BMI coming back domestically, they have all of their repertoire. They enter into a blanket license with a radio station or a TV station or a website or what have you. That fee, that blanket fee that gets paid to the PRO covers every song that is in that particular society's repertoire. So in my specific example, the PRS and MCPS repertoire in the UK becomes subject to the blanket licenses of like BBC or ITV and some of these that all it's have a lot of letters. set fees <laughs> that are, are set up. MCPS has a set fee schedule of if you use X number of seconds of music, it right. costs X. However, most of the programming that the, the UK is going to do is going to want to get shown outside the UK and that's when they need the license so if it was only ever limited just to the UK no as long as your songs have been registered there they do not need your permission so it's, it's not, in the blanket license so people so, want to believe the worst like oh yeah I had a friend that, whose music was used in the UK so he must have been ripped off people think <sighs> people who are not in the fray on a daily basis have this um, tendency to believe that people in the industry are sitting around going how can I screw this musician? Right, right. How can I steal from them? Most people that I've met in 40 years of being in the business, I don't think I've ever met anybody who intentionally set out to screw somebody. Right. Yeah, I mean, no, especially, I totally agree. you know, the bigger, more established companies aren't sitting around thinking about how they can rip people off, obviously. Um, 
it happens uh, occasionally. But one of the questions I had along the same thing that you were just discussing, though, mm -hmm. is that, you know, for sync fees, if we are pitching our music and making the deals we can collect based on the contracts we've signed, let's just stop right there. Because what are the terms of the contracts that they're signing? Isn't that a big issue as well? I mean, in other words, if you're licensing a song, um, for a specific use aren't, aren't usually the terms of that specific use defined oh absolutely so yeah. so then uh, music doesn't just by accident get registered in in, in in England right in other words I mean there should be no I see right? what you're saying, or, so, or, saying like, how does it even end up there is what, what I sometimes think happens maybe if they've co-written with somebody if they don't have a publisher maybe the pub the other the other co-writer has ended up registering okay. it there that is then made made it end up getting registered gotcha. and subject to the license and it right. gets used. But it's important that any deal that they enter into, they're very clear about the, the rights that they're giving, obviously, the mm -hmm. this particular entity. No, so, so you have to pay attention to that as well. Read <clears throat> everything. Read right, exactly. Everything. Okay, so I've got yeah. some questions. Um, YouTube. We talked about in the beginning of the show, but then we went off on Spotify, uh, etc. Let's talk about YouTube for a second. Um, <laughs> Do we have to? Okay. I, I, you know, look, that is the most likely place that most no, of the people watching no, the no, show no, are going to end up. You're absolutely right. So it, it's a mystery to me, and I'm a pretty in-the-loop kind of guy. So I imagine that a lot of people out there have the same questions I do. How do I make money on YouTube? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then actually afterwards, I want to circle back to the master side that we brought up in sound exchange yeah, that he mentioned that we that. should yeah. touch on that. Yep. Um, okay, so YouTube is a is a interesting animal. It involves performance of music. So like we talked about with Spotify earlier, YouTube has blanket license agreements with ASCAP, BMI, mm -hmm. CSAC, etc. And you're for the talking about the performance like playing on a radio, not the, the broadcast Here I am. of the song. Yeah, the yeah, broadcast yeah. of the song. Mm -hmm. I know ASCAP a month or so ago, uh, I think, announced a fairly large, you know, sort of license and agreement, new licensing agreement with YouTube, I think, that covers like the next five years or something. Um, where you're probably talking about, and so as long as you're registering your songs at the Society, mm -hmm. and YouTube then sends all the usage reports back over to ASCAP, and those get matched, then you're going to get paid. I mean, I, we could do a whole other 90-minute so show it, it just bought. on matching and what doesn't get matched and data and all of that. Which starts out with, um, uh, what do you call it, filling out the... Metadata. Uh, metadata, yeah. thank you. Uh, but we did a whole show on that with the guy from... But for um, YouTube... Uh, sorry, just to interject real quick. Yeah. Just to be sure, you said definitively, and then you get paid. Should we say maybe more, and then in theory you get paid? Yes. <laughs> well, and I and I guess the only reason right. why I said that in the moment that right. I did is that it, it, because ASCAP and BMI have their licenses mm -hmm. with YouTube and the money is going to them, if you are registering your songs with ASCAP and BMI, in theory, right. there's no more work you have to do because ASCAP and BMI are going to do the matching and they're, they're going to do gonna, the paying. Right. However, the other part of where there is bigger money on YouTube, which you'll see all over the place, and it's been this is not new, is the YouTube monetization through the ads. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know, in order to do that, you unless you have a huge catalog, I say huge, larger catalog yourself, you could enter into a direct license with YouTube so that you can go into what they call their CMS, the content management system. And you can you put it you 
with you put in all your metadata, you send them reference sound recordings that get metadata into the YouTube being first system. name, last name, yeah, uh, art, email writer, address, song title, yeah, the splits, and, yeah, all, all this stuff. stuff. <laughs> um, exactly. Otherwise, you need to go through a service that includes as part of what they do YouTube monetization. Who's like then going to exploration IO? Absolutely. Love Aaron and Renee and all yep. those guys. Um, you know, AdRev has done it. There's Hawk. I mean, I believe all of the digital aggregators like CD Baby, TuneCore, all of those do it as well. You know, publishers do it. I have a direct agreement with YouTube where I do it through the CMS. And that, I mean, it's it's complex, but it's essentially about you register everything and then you kind of have to police it, you know, because when there are ads running, there's, there, there, oh God. Ah. The simplest the way of describing show. the money is that, you know, when Google runs an ad, 50% of the money, generally speaking, stays with YouTube. The other 50% gets paid to the master owner and the publisher. Okay. And again, generally speaking, split. Good to know. generally speaking, 35% of the remaining 50 is going to the master owner and 15% of the remaining 50 is going to the publisher. Interesting. When those two separate copyrights are both involved, if it's I have a song, like so I represent I've Had the Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing. I don't have 100% of the song, but let's say Bobby, in a in a inspiring moment in the shower, sings I've Had the Time of My Life, and somebody films it and <laughs> Think put it about up on YouTube. Think about what you just said. Well, that, would be, <laughs> you know, that would be a scary moment, but and, we'll go with you on this. But, but roll with me. There is no master. He, it's just him singing. He, in a sense, essence, has sort of put up his own master. Right. That remaining, that whole fifty percent that remains after YouTube has taken their half, goes all to the publisher, because there is no pre-existing master that got used. Okay. So we, as publishers, make more money when someone has uploaded a performance that doesn't involve a master. If it involves a master recording. You know, we unfortunately, if we don't have the master, the master owner is making more money than we are. And then, of course, do you want to tackle the issue wow. of whether or not I even have the right to put up a cover of? Um, well, to be honest, this is know? what this whole situation with YouTube. We, you know, <clears throat> I'm gonna say the cliche: we all had to do a deal with the devil right. because it involves a sync right. So right. YouTube was was infringing copyrights like crazy mm -hmm. because they involved putting music to a visual which is a separate right in the copyright act that we as publishers or anyone who's an independent artist who is their own publisher you control that you're supposed to grant your permission youtube wasn't getting permission so they were basically like hey look we know this is all going on so let's do this we have so many eyeballs that are coming to youtube let's run ads and we'll share the money with you mm -hmm. So we all, the industry generally has just said, okay, fine, we won't sue you for infringement, but we'll share in your money. And if you wanted to, you could write them and say, take something down. Absolutely, yeah. No, in the CMS, well. we have the option to either monetize it or we can monitor it where you let it keep going and playing, but with no ads against it. Right. Or we say, take it down. And, it, and they've gotten really good at just literally taking it down. Okay, so let's pretend there's a person sitting here next to me. The invisible person, let's say her name is Nancy. Nancy and I write a song together. Nancy's got a publishing deal. I don't. And now, Bobby Borg, being the talented guy that he is, records our song. He does the vocal. I, oh, 
Nancy creates the master. We've co-written the song. Nancy has a studio. She creates the master. Bobby Borg raps over the master, and it blows up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bobby in the shower, rapping in the shower. There we go. Uh-huh. So now, Nancy, even though she's got a pub deal, a co-pub deal, and has to split her money with the publisher, and I get 100% of my publishing because I don't have a publishing deal, um, because she created the master, she's making substantially more money than I am, unless Bobby, it was a work for hire, and Bobby paid her to create the master, then he would own the master. That is correct. Yeah. So he, that could be Bobby, okay. as the artist, is going to make the lion's share of the money because he laid out three or four thousand bucks to buy the master. Yeah. No, no, if she created the master just by virtue of my performance being on there as well mm. unless there was a work made for hire agreement isn't there maybe some ownership on my part in the master as well too? I, well if and if i were representing you yes i would basically try to go to be nancy and sort of negotiating right a split so i would get a, a share of, of the master as well absolutely but, yeah. but i mean what's an important point with all of this that I know we talked. We didn't talk about sound. We can talk about sound exchange now. But I think what is entirely clear that everyone needs to understand, because you brought up streaming at the beginning, mm-hmm. is that right now the entities that are earning a lot of money in streaming are the owners of the masters. They are not the songwriters and the publishers. Wow. Because I think even in Spotify, it's pretty much. And again, you could get into arcane copyright law and what's going on, but master owners on Spotify are generally making like 10 times more money or more than songwriters and publishers. And those would be the record companies. Yeah, that's exactly. (laughs) Like what gets a little frustrating for me is, is, you know, we're all negotiating rates in the United States for what the new streaming rates will be. They're going to be announced in either late December or early January. And what's driving a whole bunch of us publishers really crazy is that there's all this press now about... Universal is earning eight million dollars a day on streaming and like all of this like there's so much press on the money being made in streaming but let's be clear that is made that's the recording part of the industry Mm -hmm. that's making all that money it is not the songwriters and the publishers we are being woefully underpaid but the flip side of it is now is a great time if you're a publisher to get into the record business and independent artists that own their own masters. Yeah. If you can do all the things in marketing and start you know, getting streamed millions and millions a day, you're going to make a killing. Okay, so what if Mikey Mike decides to sit down with my acoustic guitar and my iPhone and I shoot myself, uh, not like that kind of shoot myself, <laughs> but I videotape myself um, doing an original song in my bedroom and I put it up on YouTube and the thing goes viral and gets millions of views. I own that master. Yeah. And I own 100% of the songwriter share and 100% of the publisher share. So that's where the real money's at. Gangnam style, or I'm like, well, I'm trying to think, what's the video now that Despacito? Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know but, that has earned like billion views or whatever. But to put it all into perspective, I think I heard a quote of something like, "There's 47,000 videos uploaded every minute, or even maybe second uh, on yeah. YouTube." So it's not as simple as, of course, it sounds, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You Nothing have to end up is. being that one video. <laughs> I mean, and who are the videos that are getting the most play? It's really the artists that are already known. So right. the, the familiarity is already there. So if you were able to pull that off, there was probably something else that went on 
that that led the public to knowing about your you know guitar vocal thing you know, it would be me performing in a speedo I, whatever works that would go viral but not for any of the right reasons you will have made as much money as possible because you may not have video number two that's right or life or be able to go out in public ever again um how long should you stick with the music library somebody asked a question earlier i think it was lauren de giorgio de giorgio uh if i sign with a library today how long should I wait? Be, you know, first of all, it's going to take at least six months. If the thing got licensed tomorrow, it's going to be six months before you see money start to trickle in. It's going to be a year mm -hmm. before you see a substantial amount of money coming in. How it might long? Be a year before it even gets placed, actually. Right. So no, how exactly. long? How, yeah. how long do you wait before you go? This library is not really working for me. Uh, it's a good question. Well, I mean. I mean, here's the thing, too. also depends on your deal with the library, right? Because some libraries may share the upfront fees and some don't. Mm -hmm. So, and those that, because they deal in bulk, if it's a library that doesn't get or share any upfront fees, the only reason many times you'll find out, or the only way in which you'll find out something was used was when your state writer's your statement shows up and I was like, oh, hey, I got something used. Um, that because of the period of time, I, I you can't, oh. well, it's just from my experience, and I'm not a library, but I mean, like, if we signed a record today and we service it to music supervisors, you got to count on at least three to six months for it just to go through the listening process for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the, these poor people are getting so barraged on a daily basis with unbelievable amounts of music, and it's their job to ingest it and listen to it. So, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So, I, in, to answer your question, I'd say, honestly, you gotta give a library like 18 months. I think that's fair. Maybe because even it's got to get into the systems out there. It's got to get listened to. It's got to, especially in a library's case, it's got to get into all the avids and all the editing bays of all the places that have deals with that particular library. Mm -hmm. Then someone's got to listen to it. They have to like it. They have to set it aside. And then they have to put it into a scene. And then all of a sudden it happens. I just locked down something really cool for this year's road rally taking place November 2nd through the 5th in Los Angeles. <laughs> Go to taxi.com uh, and click on convention. But um, I have a very talented video editor that works on a lot of TV shows who's actually going to edit music into two scenes from two different shows ah, to show awesome. her thought process. We're going to give her some bins with music some drives with music, she's going to sit there and go and talk into a head boom microphone, go, okay, for this scene, oh, that's cool. they're getting in the car and they're leaving, so we want some music that makes you feel like you're going forward. There's a destination mm -hmm. on the horizon. So you wouldn't play something slow and dreamy in all likelihood. You'd play something that's kind of beat-driven and positive, and so now we're going to listen. She's going to go, no, no, yep. Okay, let's try that one. Play it against picture. That no, doesn't really work. Oh, that works. And now cut it down to size, down to the length, and make sure the ending times out the scene change. Right. So the no, members actually ask for that on Taxi that's, that's TV. Cool. It's, it's awesome. It's very cool. If they understand how it's used, they'll be better able to create music that's usable. And right. I, I, kind of on that note too, what I'll uh, the event doesn't happen anymore. It wasn't a secret when it did, but there used to be an event called Sunset Sessions yeah. out here, right? And the panel that they did that I always loved was that, you know, artists were going down and playing for the AAA radio programmers and the music supervisors who were all there for the weekend in a self-contained environment where you could get to know them, develop a relationship. Sound familiar? 
Anyways, they had this panel where half the panel was radio people, half the panel were music supervisors. They gave everyone on the panel, as well as in the audience, a dial thing. And you basically rated the song as it was playing. And you rated like from 1 to 10. And you did it on a dial. And when you felt you scored it, you put in your thing. And what was always fascinating for the... In every single case, the song that their radio programmers loved was the song the music supervisors didn't like, and vice versa. <laughs> because they, the music, different music for those two different things served wow. different purposes. Were you in the room, uh, I think it was in Hawaii, when I was moderating one of the panels there. I, I said at the Road Rally, when we used to have a lot more A&R panels, a major label like VPs of A&R sitting on the panel in the Grand Ballroom, and they'd be on a listening panel, nine out of ten times they'd go, that's good for film and TV, that's good for film and TV, <laughs> which meant they, they wouldn't sign it, they didn't know what else to say, they couldn't say the chorus isn't strong enough or it doesn't yeah. have, you know, uh, um, a beavers leading into the chorus. All they could say was that's good for film and TV, right, and they were funny. wrong 100% of the time. Yeah, that's wow. funny. No, you know what else they're wrong about? When they own all the labels used to laugh at me and laugh at Taxi and go, <laughs> all they do is film and TV. Sucker. <laughs> 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 exactly. Uh, okay, uh, we're, little, yeah, we're running a little questions? bit long. No, we're running long. I've got one more question. Then okay. we should sign off. Um, uh, well, two, and um, one of them I'll answer in a word. Is there a way to find out about specific, genre, get notified about specific genres the industry needs, and presumably film and TV? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Taxi. Right. T-A-X-I. <laughs> You're watching the show. Go to the website, please. Um, okay, this one could go to I either one of you. So I'm yeah, going to uh, to him. What kind of marketing, this is a great question, what kind of marketing should a composer do? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you mean so, a composer for uh, not somebody film, who's, TV, movies? Not, yeah, not somebody who's doing scores necessarily, but I'm thinking somebody who does instrumental cues for reality TV. What kind of marketing should that Interesting. I mean, do? <laughs> I mean, I think that, let's just say, for example, you've never done anything before. I think one cool way is to actually um, hook up with um, maybe somebody that's in, in film. So let me give you an example. Um, some of my students at my DIY music marketing class at UCLA asked the same question. So I said, I'll tell you what, let me take you over to the film school. So we held our class at the film school when they were doing a, um, you know, a, a class and discussion about you know, music to reinforce you know, your scenes in a movie or, or little interludes and that type of thing. And afterwards I said, hey, would any of you guys be interested in independent artists and working with them? And all of them said yes. So some of my students got together and they created these little reels that they would then put up on YouTube and they would put up on you know, their, their stations to show literally how their music reinforces different scenes and parts in, in films and trailers. So they kind of created these uh, sort of demos based on film students, you know, great footage and created, mm. create, so I mean, so it was like, in other words, if you wanted to get an idea about how great I write for reality, film and TV and such and so forth, you go to my website and I have all of these different little clips. Here's me in the, in the car chase scene, here's the love scene, here's this and so, I mean, I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You yeah. Know, just, you yeah. Know, no, I think that's great. Lay it out, yeah. Uh, one of the things, and we really got to go, but one of the things that you and I um, both love is a unique selling proposition, which means what is it about you that makes you special for your audience? Well, um, 
first of all, go to Banzoogle. If you don't have a website, you need to have a website. Banzoogle is a great place to build a music-oriented site. Mm -hmm. And then once you have the site built, don't try to be all things to all people because we've all heard this. Right. I do rock, I do pop, I do country, I do R&B. No, you don't. You don't do all those things well. But if you're a composer, you could absolutely go to SoundCloud, um, set your stuff up by genre, categorize it, then do the import of the SoundCloud stuff onto Banzoogle and have three or four genres that are your absolute best and have examples of them on there. Mm -hmm. And that way, you've got a place to send people rather than just saying, I'm great at doing all this stuff. You've got your shiny examples in one spot and make it easy. Go to, you know, bobbyborg.com um, which could be on Banzo or built right, by right, Banzo sure. or hosted yeah. by them and, and listen to the music. And just so, check out what I can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you're really, really good at marketing, come up with a tagline, a hook. Um, one of our members, I want to say it's a guy named Russell Landwehr from Ohio, um, has something like a tag in his footer or in his signature for his emails that says, um, compelling music for blah, you know. Right, so sure. you read that and you go, I know what the guy does. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, this might see it sound also crazy and out of the box as well, but one of the things that I did when I, when I was actually more on the, on the creative and music side of it as an artist trying to get signed and so on, you know, I actually went to a small mom and pop shop that I knew actually did um, video cable advertising and did some radio advertising. And I said, I wrote you a jingle check it out hmm. and they absolutely loved it and they ended up using it in their their next radio broad uh commercial and there you are i'm like now on you know this this the radio ad on this on this major commercial station because and then had a springboard in. to go to other people yeah, and go, look yeah, i did it yeah, for them yeah, right yeah, and it worked yeah it did yeah it's out of the box thinking i mean it's taking small steps but, small but you steps just created a credit that no one needs to know when it's on right. your website that oh i did this, right. this jingle for exactly. so and so they don't need to know the story behind it yeah i love it ed says i wish i found taxi in the 90s better late than never thank you ed uh okay <laughs> so let's pick five people to get your code so that they can go to Groove 3 and check out Bobby Borg's great videos on there and everything now, else. They might need to do the plus one again because I saw plus ones like earlier on when oh. you first mentioned it. <laughs> Probably. I don't know if they're still with us. All right. Oh, look, hey, here we got some plus <laughs> All ones. All right, so plus one if you would like to get the codes. And Matt, I hope you're watching. you got to write these names down in a hurry. I'm going to, okay, you guys, I'm going to point, you tell me the names because I'm not going to oh, look. You're not going to, okay, That's uh, that was audio and a ninja. Okay. Oh geez, we, well write. We will write a song. song. Okay. Okay. Boom. Uh, Mark Himley. God, you guys are doing it way too damn fast. Uh, Robin Laguna. Okay. I uh, know all these guys. That was number four, and you're doing number five. Martin J. Frog. Cool. I know <laughs> all of those dudes and dudettes. All right. So there was your five. Awesome. Um, and if anyone's upset, blame it on on Michael's pencil. Absolutely. I just looked at the screen so I'd know where I had to hit. <laughs> Trust me, there's no way to actually hit one of these on purpose. Not a chance. Oh my gosh, big crowd tonight. Um, I, I should probably sit down and get my face on camera. There I am. Yes, please. Um, it is your show. Man, oh man. Um, thank you to you guys for showing up, and thank you, you guys. Bobby. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Thank Michael. You. Always, man. It's I, always I, fun. This uh, is... Uh, and we didn't plan it. 
No. I mean, like, right. ahead of time. <laughs> I mean, we planned it. This is we... what I do the show for. <laughs> it's like we got so much great information out there today to yeah, these folks. appreciate it. So thank you all for watching. Uh, next week, by the way, if things go well, we will be doing the show live on YouTube. We're probably going to do oh. a little half-hour test. Um, we've had a lot of problems with the Ustream format recently, so we're moving it over to use, uh, YouTube. So we're going to do a little test if we have time during the week, and then next Monday's show. Um, you know what? I'm going to play you that song that was so perfect for the listing, the one out of 200 that got forwarded, and then we'll do a Q&A with yours truly next week just to test the format. All right? Until then... <laughs> Ooh, that was a little scary. <laughs> We'll see you next week on another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live and in Living Color. Bye, you guys. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for tuning in.